0: Well, good morning. I keep hunting for that frog, and I haven't found him yet, but I'm still looking for him. Our children are going to be dismissed right now as they're going out with Miss Lisa, Miss Jody. they going to go out and have a good time. We live in the tension of the glorious and the harsh. We live in that tension. One of the great things about the Psalms as we are finding our way walking through the Psalms this January into leading us up to Lent is the Psalms are unafraid in naming this glorious these glorious and harsh realities of being human. They call us to actually embracing the tension of that. In our 2023 era lives, these experiences and these emotions and these realities collide. You heard me pray for those places that are places where the light has closed off and those places that are glorious and joyful and light filled. And life is such that these places collide together. We live in the tension and the aftermath of those collisions. And in many ways, Psalm 27, which Mary read for us earlier, is this psalm for how to live the life for the king in the midst of that tension. So I'm going to invite you to find your way to Psalm 27. Because Psalm 27 contains two of the most hopeful and at the same time, Frustrating promises wrapped together Psalm 27 verse 13 says this I Remain confident of this That I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living I remain confident of this that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living Many a dark night Especially in recent years Many a dark night, those words have been life to me. They have grabbed me and they've held me tight to God. Reminding myself, I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. But coupled with that truth is this tension. Another promise. It's about the land of the living. You've heard me say it before, but let me say it again. That the land of the living... Is often not good. It can be evil. It can be harsh. It can be painful. The promise is, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. The promise is not, I will see the goodness of God because the land of the living is good. So there's this tension. There's these two promises one, God is good no matter where and what, but the land of the living, the truth is, is not always the case. The land of the living is littered with heartaches around us that are downright depressing and disappointments that drag our spirits down and the harsh realities among broken humanity. Pastor Mary and I have been looking at a webinar called Beauty in Garbage City, led by psychologist Dr. Diana Langberg. The webinar speaks candidly about the nature of ministry in the world that we live in. Uh, The nature of what it means to walk in this world, and especially in the helping professions. How there is so much that we live in and that we deal with that is stained with what she terms the dung of the world. And that we are often inundated with the pain and and the, 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 the darkness, and it can be like penetratingly dark. And as you take on these bits of darkness, they kind of stick to you. And it's true for all of us as we look at our world and we take on all these dark places, dark realities, realities, such as human trafficking, which is on the rise, by the way, in Boston. Abuse in the church, which has been rampant in recent years. And evil, the evil of warmongering that's on display every day. The pain of racial injustice. That hurts. It wounds. Now that title is really appropriate. But the title comes from the actual garbage city. I don't know if you've ever seen it. The name of the city is actually Mashiach Nasser, which is found just outside of Cairo, Egypt. And this is what it's famous for. It's the place where all of Cairo dumps their garbage. They bring all the garbage from Cairo, Egypt, and they dump it in what's called Garbage City. Here's the other thing. 80,000 people live there. They live right in this city, right in the middle of the garbage. It is said that when you go to Garbage City, that the stench of rotting trash sticks to your clothes. It sticks to your hair. And then when you leave, it takes you some time. Ago. I remember when I was stationed in Sutter Bay Creek, Greece, and I was on the detail that would take the trucks of garbage to the dump. My, 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 my. Some people make fun of me that on Fridays, my day off, I love going to the dump. I love putting something, anything, anything in my car I can put in that I can throw away. I want to throw something away. And I go to Nashua's dump, and our dump is like immaculate compared to that dump. But I remember going to that dump and just smelling, almost like tasting what was in that dump. That's what it's like all the time for 80,000 people. But here's the other thing about it. The population of that town is fundamentally made up of Coptic Christians, which are some of the oldest in history Christian believers in the world. The overwhelming majority of the population is Coptic Christians and right there in some ways they provide light they paint their balconies in distinct colors in the middle of garbage city they they sell beautiful fruits and vegetables on the streets the residents take the garbage and what they've done is they have created a whole economy they take the garbage and using that garbage they generate income and even there In the middle of the poverty and of the smell and the garbage, they worship. Look at this picture. Next one. That is St. Simon's Cathedral right outside of Garbage City. Look at that. That holds 20,000 people. These people in the middle, right in the middle of Garbage City, seek to worship God. Well, Psalm 27 Is a psalm for all of those who live in garbage city and here's the point we all live in garbage city in different ways at different times and sometimes the stench of brokenness sticks to us what what i've come to call that sticky darkness more so than others and yet some have imagined that the christian life once you become a christian you never have to worry about strife or struggle or fear. That it's always an upward trajectory of nothing but glory. Let me give you an example. When I first came to Christ many years ago now, never thought I'd stand in front of people and say, you know, many years ago I came to Jesus. But it seems like it was. It was almost 40 years ago, 41 to be precise. But when I first came to Christ, I was presented with a rather formulaic, simplistic view of the Christian faith. Once you invited Jesus into your life, you just needed to pray, read your Bible, attend church, do good things, and don't do bad things. And that's all good. Nothing wrong with that. But I was kind of given the idea that once I did that, then my life would go just fine. Now, my family, everything was going to work out just fine, and all was going to be well all the time i wish that was true you see a misreading of scripture can cause us to come away with that kind of false conclusion that the christian life is nothing more than a positive life plan to avoid the harsh realities of life just another plan that we put together to create a positive life even misreading psalm 27 can bring us to that But I think the faith we are invited into is much more robust than that. And many times it's more demanding than a simplistic religious formula. It is a faith that's intended for garbage city. It is a faith that's intended for darkness. When darkness slams into your life, you need something more than a formula. You need something more than some platitude. When darkness runs into us, when we live in this tension, it's a faith intended for real darkness we encounter. After all, what is the symbol of the Christian faith? It is the symbol of the darkest moment in history, the cross. So how do we live with God as our king in this tension? Well, Let me remind you of another time another place where were you April 15 2013 For some people that's sort of like asking where were you on 9-11 I know what I was doing on 9-11 9-11 I was salmon fishing at 10 in the morning when the first call came in about planes hitting buildings where were you on April 15 2013 you could probably remember that day when there was the bombing in Boston? Where were you? I remember I was in a car. I think I was in a truck, actually, driving south. And we saw all kinds of cars going the other way. Am I right? Bill Lamblaw and I were in a truck going south to go work on a house, and all these cop cars were going the other way. We're going, what is going on? Where were you? I want you to remember that day for a moment. We have parishioners in our church who are just hundreds of yards away, and if it wasn't for a loved one finishing moments sooner, they would have likely been injured in the blast. But that day, there was a phrase that came to be known that was new to me. It's not a new phrase, but it was new to me, and i never heard it before. Because while they were searching for the perpetrators, the call went out to all of Boston, Right? Shelter in place. Shelter in place is in effect. Do you know what that means? It means that you need to find shelter right where you are. It means that there is danger that's around you somewhere. But you are to seek the safety of a known shelter right where you are. And that's what Psalm 27 calls us to. Even as we live in, and wander in this world, groaning for God to make things right, in the middle of the land of the living, we are to shelter in God. We are to shelter in God. And this is where it starts. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Just breathe in that truth for a moment. Breathe those words in. Because life spins at such a velocity and the things thrown at us with such ferocity that just stopping and remembering this is essential. And sometimes it's so easy for me to forget it. This declaration of light brings to mind words that were found scribbled on a basement in 1945 in Cologne, Germany. It was a basement where they think Jews were hiding from the Gestapo. And someone scribbled this. I believe in the sun even when it isn't shining. I believe in love even when it's not apparent. I believe in God even when he is silent. You see, that statement is not a statement of Psalm 27.1. It's not a statement necessarily of what the conditions are or what a person feels. The truth is we live with Jesus as our king and we live in the same kind of world that the Son of God came to. Think about the world that the Son of God came to. Isaiah says the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light those who lived in a land of deep darkness on them a light has shined Jesus came to a world that was saturated in darkness His light pierced a land that was dark the land in many ways is still dark People are still walking in darkness It was dark for the psalmist. You heard these words read earlier from verse 9. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me. God my Savior, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Have you ever prayed like that to God? Lord, just do not forget me. Do not reject me. Do not forsake me. Oh God, help me. That's a prayer of someone who feels like God is absent. No pretense here. No denial of hardship here. No pretending that the land of the living is good here. No rose-colored glasses fit well here. But look how this psalmist shelters in place. The Lord is my light and salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? I don't think that the psalmist is saying that if you're afraid that you are lacking in faith i think we have some very real fear very very normal and natural fears my daughter chris is going to be having a baby in april it's coming really quick really quick they give us a weekly update on how big the baby is but they do it very creatively so today we got a text early this morning that showed us that the baby was the size of mr potato head well, my wife happens to come into church today and denise lambelot's in the nursery helping out and they're building little potato heads i can't make this up but this little potato head had a mustache i texted my daughter and i said i sure hope that she does not come out with a mustache <laughs> so there's some very real fears in life that we may have but faith isn't a life without fear my friends It's a life that pushes through fears to God. I have some very real fears that my faith informs. I have the fear of loved ones living without God. I have the fear of the church being co-opted by the culture to a point where we become irrelevant. I have an honest fear that one day I'm going to call my mother she's going to forget my name. My faith informs all that. I don't think those fears are compromises of my faith, but my faith informs them because in the middle of those fears, God is with us. And so this affirmation from Psalm 27 is like setting a compass to true north when you can't see which way to go, when the fog is settled in and you're uncertain where to turn. Following the true north of your compass can guide you It's not trying to pump up emotions. It's not trying to minimize realities. It's not trying to pretend that there's this tension that we live in. It's walking into the tension. And as we walk into the tension, we set the soul to the true north of truth, which is the truth of Jesus. The the message paraphrase that describes the coming of Jesus from John's gospel is pretty cool. What came into existence was life, and the life was the light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. Praise God. Amen? But hear that, my friends. Hear who we have as a king. He is our life light. Are you looking for light? Are you looking for life? This is who Jesus is. This affirmation is essential good news for us. God's light still si- shines. So yes, yes, what the psalmist says is true. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my light, and my salvation. He's just making this declaration. There's something incredibly sheltering about bringing that to memory and holding that. I'm not saying that's easy. In many days it's not. But there's something sheltering about that. Well, sheltering our soul in place also involves this singular focus. We just sang about it. Better and Better is one day in your courts. We sing that song, and I think sometimes we wonder, well, what does that really mean? Well, listen to what the psalm said in verse four. I read it earlier. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And verse eight says, my heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. In the midst of this psalm that is pockmarked with hard things, when you read the whole psalm, war, death, threats family rejection a sense of abandonment in the middle of it is this extraordinary singular focus seeking the lord has always been the distinctive desire of god's people and god's distinctive desire for his people but my question is is how is that a contributing factor to our shelter well if you go back to the words we shared on the first day of this year Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Seeking God with all our hearts is not something we simply do because it what is what God wants us to do. Of course God wants us to seek him. Of course he does. Didn't We just sang, he's a good, good father. He wants us with him. He wants us to seek Him because He loves us so much. And He wants us to be with Him. Of course that's true. God wants us to be with Him. He loves us. He desires life relationship. But there's a great truth in these words from Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The vine connected branches. It's all all interconnected. Jesus wants us to be connected to him, to seek him. And that's what the seeking is about. This is all about being in the land of the living that isn't always good, attached to the source of goodness. Our lives being attached to Jesus himself. There is no guarantee of stress-free living or a pain-free existence. But the invitation is to attach ourselves to the one who has walked this sin-scorched earth. And he offers us the nourishment of his very presence. And it is this connection to Jesus, seeking him as the priority of our life, that it also enables us to sometimes also be his goodness in the land of the living. And perhaps he uses our lives to become a shelter for others. Because you know, there's one truth whether you attend church or you don't attend church, every one of us needs shelter. And that leads us to verse 5. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent, and he'll set me high upon a rock. These words from David and the petitions that follow show us that David is living in this same tension, this unresolved tension of the goodness of God in the land of the living. Some would testify that in their day of trouble it did not seem like God was keeping them safe. They still suffered heartache, abuse, sickness, and suffering. We all might testify that. How I wish that these words were a guarantee that none of that would ever happen anyone ever again but they're not and if we take scripture and we bend it that way we're misreading scripture so what is this saying when we look at the images of this verse of scripture he's talking about the dwelling the tent the rock the original hearers of this psalm would understand clearly what he's speaking about these words point to the tabernacle and the temple built on the rock, that housed God's presence. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Why? Because of the physical courts? Because of the physical structure? No. That's not the point. The point is, it is in a worshiping relationship with God that we find the very sheltering mercy we need. These words point to the very place that housed God's presence. Just like when we're told to shelter in place, the natural impulse is to flee to some place of safety, this declares that right where we are, there the Lord himself is our shelter. There's something that happens when we recognize that, when we declare that, even when it's so far beyond what we're experiencing or feeling. There's what is now an old song that goes like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But what that song does not say is this. It does not say the things of earth will be eliminated. It does not say that the circumstances will change. That song does not say that everything's always going to work out exactly as you think it should, or as I think it should. What it does point to is something that's powerful about authentic worship while being honest about life's realities. How are you when you go to God? Are you bloodshot honest? When was the last time, like the psalmist, you kind of yelled at him a little bit? You don't have to raise your hand, but unless you wanna go like this, has anyone ever yelled at God? I mean, right? I see some heads going. See, God God is not interested in us coming to him like all fit and proper. We, were, we just read, we just sang, God looks into deepest part of my heart and he loves me the same. You are amazing, God. Not because I've come and I'm fit and proper and I'm prepared to be in your presence. I think sometimes the best time to be in his presence when we're least prepared to be in his presence. And just to come, come just as you are. There's something beautiful about that place of worship. That worship turns our hearts to breathe the fresh air of God. And it may not happen in that moment, but if we keep turning, keep turning, keep turning, I do believe we'll be found by him. I'm reminded of Psalm 73, another psalm, where the psalmist loses hope. He says, my feet almost slipped. The wicked are winning, he says. The greedy and the powerful are turning the dials of the world. The felt absence of God is palpable. But then the psalmist says this, When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Interesting. It was then that he turned his mind and his heart to worshiping God right in the midst of his world that was adorned with the victories of the wicked. And it was there that he found God's sheltering. And when he sheltered in place under the canopy of his love and worship of God, he found strength. But here's the deal. Nothing changed but something in him changed. Because he says this, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge, my shelter. I will tell of all your deeds. My friends, Jesus is this our king, our sheltering king. He's the one, he's the king who said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Psalm 27 captures for us the beauty of life with the king. Even in the midst of this tension between what is and what we hope for, where God is the shelter we can turn to and find that it is true, we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We all need shelter, my friends. Every one of us needs shelter. And King Jesus is that shelter for every one of us, for all of us. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Why don't we shelter in place today? with Jesus. Amen. Our worship team is going to come, and we're going to sing together, Whom Shall I Fear? As they're coming, let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you so much for your word to us today. We thank you, Lord, for this psalm, what it calls us to. And today we pray for grace. We pray for grace to turn to you, to hold to you, to trust you in these days. We ask, Lord God, that as we do so, you meet us. You know what's needed in each one of our lives. Lord, we wanna just tell you, we're so grateful that the Lord is our light and our salvation. That the Lord is the stronghold the refuge, the shelter of our lives. Whom shall we fear?